Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, everyone, and welcome to History Dweebs. I am Tim, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend Charles. Chuck, are you there? I'm here. I'm here, And Tim. Brandy. Are you there, Brandy? Hello. All right. Um, welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. Today, we're going to talk about the San Ysidro Massacre, a very um, disturbing massacre that took place, um, shooting that took place, Back in 1984 at a McDonald's restaurant in San Ysidro, California. But before we get into that story, let me remind you all that we are a a comedy podcast. We uh, use a lot of adult language. See, now you you, you keep saying, every show we say we to me. Mm -hmm. But is it really we to me? Well, is it really we? What I really mean is Brandy uses a lot yes. of adult language, and um, as such, we like to warn people, if that is not your thing, then... Yeah, just get, uh, to, you prob- get, get your ass out of here. To, you just- probably want to listen to a different podcast, because there are podcasts out there, Colonel, that don't have uh, swearing, a lot of swearing or, you know, women talking like they're a sailor. Uh, well, there's... there's- there's classy women on podcasts, Jimmy. Yeah, well, classy our, our, our good friend Nina instead is, yeah. is an example. She never she curses. Charlie Erica Warren. Kelly, Charlie, she never yeah. curses. But Brandy, of course, uh, cannot go five seconds without cursing. So. Yeah, well, now Nina, she cuss like a sailor, Timmy. Just but, not, just not. But on a she has the decency to not to not push that on other people on a podcast, Timmy. Yes, she's she's been to finishing school, whereas of course our co-host uh, got kicked out of finishing school. Because <laughs> she, our, our co-host been sent to rough sanding school, Timmy. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, as a matter of fact, uh, as, <laughs> as a matter of it's fact, funny, Brandy. You got to admit it was funny. The, oh, it's so funny! I'm so funny. So this funny. morning, um, I was calling to you know make our three-way call and. Uh, and I almost called the wrong brandy, and I told Timmy, "Would it? Wouldn't it really be an upgrade, though? You wouldn't mean just really? like a random brandy that you would have? Well, it was a ship? brandy that was in my contacts. I said call brandy, and I forgot to say call brandy with an I. You know yeah. the 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 hook of brandy, and the uh, former stripper. Yeah, really. And and it sent me to another brandy, and 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 I was half tempted to say, "Hey, I'm gonna shoot you the script over because." You know, I've read this script and and 
it's it's pretty it's it's very the pros once again it's excellent to me and uh Thank you, Colonel. It's an amazing story. And I figured that well, you, you could, so you're th- you're thinking if we just have like random brandies on that it would be maybe we need to you know call out to random brandies to yes to join the podcast. I mean, it couldn't hurt. Hmm. It couldn't hurt. Except you know people would notice the tone, the change in tone. It would be like, oh, I listened to history dweebs, and I came out feeling a little bit better about myself, Timmy. I, I came out feeling a little bit more cheerful. Of tone. I came out feeling like I, I, I didn't feel like I had to take a shower afterwards, Timmy. That's what people will be saying. Well, I will, I I'm will just, mention that this. Yes, this, this is particularly oh, gruesome. My but God, sometimes, this, devil, I'm just saying your language, the words you use, they make people feel dirty. It's just and not, uncomfortable. Yeah, it's not genteel. What what you have diarrhea of the mouth. We have been on here for almost four and a half minutes and heard nothing but your cockholster going. Can we please see here we go begin our story? Well, I would like to say this story is a little bit gruesome as the Colonel was um mentioning. So um Well I think any keep that you in have, mind. It's anytime you have a mass shooting you have to give a trigger warning to me. Yes, exactly. Jeez. Let see me what, introduce our see what I Brandy. Did let me introduce. Me. Yeah, I did. I, I did see what you did there. Let me introduce <laughs> our uh, our panel. We're joined as always by the very lovely and talented, the lady who's known throughout the land as Brandy the Benevolent, Her Majesty Queen Brandy the First. How are you, Brandy, if at all? Well, I've just wasted four and a half minutes of my life listening to you two drone on about bullshit. But other than that, well, as opposed to know, I'm, I'm doing OK. Oh, OK. So as opposed ahead. to the four what? and a half minutes, you could be sitting back drinking cough syrup and whatever it does else you do on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, so you're, you didn't go to services today again, I, I take it. I, you know, I got up a little late for, actually, I didn't get up a little late for services, but no, I don't, I don't generally attend Sunday services. Are you shocked there, Colonel? Does that shock you? Well, no, it does not shock me. I'm noticing that, wait a minute, I'm noticing neither one of you. I I attended online. Has attended. I was, I was at the eight (laughs) o'clock. Of course you I was at the eight o'clock service this morning. You uh, we get up. We get up early to praise the, the Lord. At Perkins does not count. <laughs> the Waffle House service doesn't count. Exactly, the Waffle House service it doesn't count. Well, thank you, Brandy. That was an interesting Brandy time. Let's now thank go you. to. Was it? Let's now go to the. Perfect. Let me introduce the Colonel, a man who is known as Brandy. He's been called the most dangerous man in podcasting. He's By uh, he's a light. He's a beacon. He's been called an oasis, Brandy, in the desert of despair. He, he a man that we that we all can turn to in these times, uh, these difficult times. No, 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 no. no. He is considered a man who is uh, he's be uh, be above reproach, Brandy. No. The very honorable, the Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Walters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? I'm not good, Timmy. What, I'm what's not good. what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is this is Chuck time. This is Colonel time. You've had no, brandy I understand. time. But Timmy, 
not to get political, but I feel like you are Chuck's Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> That's what you are. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. This man has a uh, has a that. That's Big following. That's fake news, devil. Mm. Fake news. That is. That's alternate yeah. facts. Alternate facts. Yes. Yeah. That's, so, Colonel, that's tell who he is to you, Chuck. I hope you're happy. Don't pay attention to her, uh, Colonel. Tell us what's what's bothering you this morning. What to me yesterday? I wake up to an empty house, and uh, well, me, me and Beauregard. It was me and Beauregard, and and I, and I think you know this. Okay, I got a good day ahead of me. Nobody around. I can you know. Do my kernel stuff and uh and I find a little note on the counter. Okay. And it says, uh the groomers will be calling about eleven. Can you pick up Rudy? Uh so and he's at I the think, beauty shop. Yeah, Rudy was at the beauty shop and I said, Okay, and she said, And can you give Bo and Lily a bath? Lily is a cat, Timmy. Okay. Have you ever given a cat a bath? And now, aren't they self-cleaning? Well, Lily, ovens? Lily has really long white fur, and she likes to roll around in the basement. So occasionally I'll, you know, use these wipes to clean her off. But mm-hmm. for some Cat reason, somebody wipes. asked, somebody decided it would be a wipes. good idea to give this cat a bath and for me to do it, Timmy. It was like going back to Nam, Timmy. Was it I've, traumatic? It was quite traumatic. I got PTSD from giving a cat a bath. And I believe I needed stitches by the time I was done. And then I, I put Bo in there in the, in the tub. This son of a bitch thinks it's spa day. He's all stretched <laughs> out. He's wanting me to massage his shoulders and his little thigh muscles and whatever it is, his hips. And you did, didn't I you? I did. You absolutely did. I did. did. And then I went to pick up Rutabaker from the beauty shop. And they told me he's seven and a beagle, his his breed is beagle German Shepherdness. Um, it's, you have to worry about the hip joints. But they have special treats, Timmy, for dogs like him that you can buy. And you give them two treats a day and the dogs like them. They got the glucosamine in there, Timmy. The stuff mm. to lubricate your joints. I see. That's the same stuff Timmy takes. It's $72 for a bag of them. Oh, uh, see? <laughs> that's, why you need, that's why you need good health care, Brandy. <laughs> a dog health care. Well. And, Timmy, so I went and I picked up Rutabaker and they handed me a piece of paper. And I said, what's this? And they said, it's a receipt. Just go pay at the register. It was $60 to give the dog a bath. Now, I had damn near lost my life giving a cat a bath for free. I should have taken the cat up there and paid the $70 to have give the cat a bath. Well, I'm sure it would have been cheaper for a cat. Not for this cat, Timmy. This cat was... But she's nice and clean. She's curled up on my lap right now. I thought cats kind of bathe themselves, don't they? They generally do, but every once in a while you squirt them off real good just to get them... I, I don't. I see. I don't know if I. Was it sounds punk. pretty bourgeoisie to me, Brandy. I don't know if I was punk, Timmy. I think that's it's what what happened. I think that somebody was like writing down, "Hey, and tell Dad to give the cat a bath, and let's see what happens." I think that's what it was. I don't think so cat you just, baths. Are you necessary. follow any directions that you're given, obviously. Well, I'm a diligent man, Timmy. 
I mean, I you know me. I don't. I don't. I do know you. Yes, I do. All through the cracks, Jimmy. All right, let's talk about the San Ysidro massacre, Brandy. Would you like to? Not really, but we're going to. So, okay. This in the is summer of nineteen eighty. It is in the summer of nineteen eighty four. California was in the headlines, Brandy. In San Francisco, the Democratic National Convention was underway. It will would soon nominate uh, Walter Mondale as its standard bearer. In Los Angeles, organizers were making last-minute preparations for the Summer Olympic Games. Where, what were you doing in 1984, Brandy? Probably bad-mouthing your country and smoking dope. <laughs> yeah. Protesting. I was, in, I was in the fourth grade. Yeah. I was in the fourth grade, so I wasn't quite there yet. You were in the fourth Probably still grade in 1984? Country. Yeah. I was in the fourth grade in 1984. But she was 17 years old. <laughs> yeah, <girl>. <laughs> Not quite. That was in July. Not that was in July of the summer of 1984. <laughs> summer is in July, Brandy. The okay. small San Diego community of San Ysidro grabbed the spotlight for a very, very different reason, Brandy. San Ysidro, California, is a district in the city of San Diego, immediately north of the U.S.-Mexican border. It's a friendly uh, community. Um. Spicy Iwana. It is. Yeah, it is. That's another. After the 1846 U.S. invasion of Mexico, the uh, U.S. annexed what is now the southwest United States. And in 1848, San Ysidro found itself uh, on an international border, Brandy. Today, it's the fourth busiest border crossing town in the world. The uh, 2010 uh, census counted 28,000, just over 28,000 people in San Ysidro, of whom 93% were Hispanic, mostly of Mexican descent. On July 18, 1984, San Ysidro became the site of one of the deadliest killing sprees in United States history when James Oliver Huberty, a 41-year-old former welder from Canton, Ohio, opened fire inside a McDonald's restaurant with multiple firearms, killing 21 people and injuring an additional 19 others before he was fatally shot by a sniper from a SWAT team. The whole ordeal lasted um, 77 minutes. In fact, there was a there's a really cool documentary on this shooting called 77 minutes that you can probably find on netflix or on youtube the youtube brandy i know you watch the youtube a lot mm. yeah no she watches james porn hub but well yeah she does spend a lot of time on ha- uh, x hamster omg james oliver huberty i like the name oliver brandy Okay. Was born in Canton. When you have children, you should do was that. Was born in Canton, Ohio. You ever been to Canton, Colonel? I've been there, Timmy. I've been there. Football You've Hall been to of the, Fame, Timmy. The National Football Hall of Fame is in Canton. Uh, he was born on October the 11th, 1942. And when James was 
three years old, he contracted polio, Brandy. Not the kind you play with horses, but the disease. And even though he made a progressive recovery, the disease caused him to suffer permanent difficulties when he walked, Brandy. Both, Both of his parents were religious. His father was Amish, while his mother was an evangelical Christian, Brandy. That makes for an interesting mix. Um, well, yeah. In early in the early 1950s, uh, his father bought a farm in the Pennsylvania Amish country. Hubert E. Uh, James's mother refused to live in Amish country. You ever watch Amish porn, Colonel? It, well, I, I watch Amish Gone Wild, Timmy. <laughs> they can't, but they can't videotape it, so they have to do it live, Brandy. Well, they have to do those little, you know how you do the uh, little paper things, Timmy, where you get like a hundred pieces of paper and you flip through them real fast and it looks like a oh, Yeah, oh, that's okay. Amish porn right there. Mm. And uh, if you, you look at it three or four times, then you can't really flip through it because the pages are all stuck together. And, you know, it's just, it's not practical, Timmy. It's not practical. It is not practical when it comes to porn, Brandy. No. So um, she, mom refused because she was an evangelical Christian. She refused to live in Amish country, and she soon abandoned her family to do sidewalk preaching for a Southern Baptist organization. You ever do any sidewalk preaching, uh, Colonel? I do sidewalk preaching all the time, Timmy, all the time. Now, I'm not always preaching about, you know, our Lord and Savior. I'm preaching about, you know— the woman in front of me needing to speed her ass up or get out of my way or, you know, whatever. I see. Preaching about, I the, see. Preaching about the frailties of other people and how they're inconveniencing the colonel, Timmy. That's what I'm preaching about. What are your thoughts on that, Brandy, if any? Oh, my God. He's not. But you know what? Just keep reading. All right. So James's are you even mother, listening to this devil? Are you are, are you engaged in this at all? She doesn't seem to be engaged. She doesn't she seem doesn't. to be. I mean, are you making pancakes or something? What you do? Did we interrupt your morning? I'm sorry if we did. You know, you would. It, it would not, be nice if you sorry. pay attention for our listeners because our listeners work hard all week. They do, and the little bit of pleasure they get out of their dark gray lives. Is listening to this podcast. Really? Listening to this podcast, Brandy. And at least that you can do, the very least that you can do is pay attention. Yeah, and it. Well, that's. And if it's the least you could do, that's what she's going to do. So at least just try to pay attention, devil. I mean, me. I'm just listening to the two of you. Me and Timmy are here. I'm just fascinated. Me and Timmy are here giving our blood, sweat, and tears to entertain our, our. a fan base. Who, who, let's face it, Colonel. Our our, our listeners live a bleak life. They they don't have the celebrity as of you and I. No, they've been. They on don't. The, yeah, we've been on the page. We know what they're like. Exactly, and you know and uh, so their lives are you pretty bleak. Wait a minute. You know what I love? Chuck shows up on time once. And now all of a sudden he wants to be high and mighty about, oh, are you even paying attention? Are you even doing – you fucking well, just show up. I wasn't going to bring that up, Brandy, but uh, the colonel and I were waiting for you today. Uh, you didn't see you, – You weren't. You were not engaged. It was 10 o'clock yet. As he mentioned, you were not here on time. We were here ready to go. I was. Ready to give our all for our listeners 
and uh, you were not. Did a quick run screw run through of the script to make sure that we had all our facts straight. We did none of those things. But you weren't here. You weren't here. You were you Let's you were devia You did. You, were you could diva. not be bothered right. to show up on time. I was diva in it. You are like, you're oh, like the Kardashian diva. of this show. Is basically what you are. Well, you're famous for no apparent reason. It's better than being Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> so. James's mother, being that person, when James's show. mother abandoned uh, the family, it had a profound effect on James, as he would become sullen and withdrawn, much like you are during this podcast, Brandy. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I'm right here, <laughs> right here. In 1962, when Brandy was 12 years old, 20-year-old James Huberty enrolled at a Jesuit community college where he earned a degree in sociology he soon uh, he would later receive a license for embalming at the pittsburgh institute of mortuary science in pittsburgh pennsylvania brandy your thoughts on that if any well the name kind of gives away where it's at so that seems a little redundant but good for him that's a growing have you ever dated a uh someone with a mortuary science degree I am not, but I knew a guy that that had a had a license mm. to do embalming. Mm. That's creepy. I think it's creepy, but I mean, I'm glad people it do it because if no one did it, then we'd all be screwed. But you know, maybe no, I don't understand why they embalm us, Timmy. I don't get that. I don't. I never understood that quite well because why do you want to preserve a body? Well, I think you want to preserve it so that people can. They can you can schedule a funeral and you have a yeah it's all it's creepy to me I just assume everything be closed coffin myself well I, it's like some one day we, Timmy we got you covered some, Brandy we got yeah you we covered. do have you covered Timmy we got plans for you we got you we got plans we got plans I think it's cute that you think that you're going to outlive me that's what I think is funny <laughs> yeah but, Timmy uh, going to be doing this I bought, podcast I just bought a book of stamps I just bought a book of stamps I'm cool. just saying. while at mortuary i just bought a book of stamps foolish and a three-pack of mouthwash so i'm planning on being around for quite well that just seems excessive i mean that just seems like you're you're consumer driven you you're just letting wow i don't three packs of mouthwash you need a bar of soap is what you need Wash your, ma- wash your mouth out with soap with your language that you yeah. use. Yeah, that's, that mouthwash ain't strong enough, to, girl, because there's stuff coming out of that mouth that is not bacteria-free. Well, at mortuary school, he met his wife, Edna. Oh, it's a love story. Never how. Oh, was she alive? <laughs> he thinks she was alive. <laughs> oh, she's a, she's a treat, man, this one. Uh, sh- whom... They they got married in 1965, Brandy, and had two lovely girls, Zilia and Cassandra. The Huberty family, and by the way, James would go, claim that he was he, in his life he would claim that he was a Vietnam vet, but he never actually served in any armed forces. <laughs> Sweet, he's a good guy. Um, the Huberty family settled in Maslin, Ohio where James worked as an undertaker at the Don Williams Funeral Home. 
When is that the guy that sings uh, the songwriter Don Williams? You think, Colonel? Probably, Timmy. He was. He had a lot of business ventures back in the day. In 1971, the Huberty family was forced to relocate to Canton after their house in Maslin was set ablaze. Brandy, your <laughs> thoughts on that? Well, who set the house on fire? It's, that's what I it know. isn't. Uh, that's never been determined. Apparently, it's unclear. It's unclear from my research huh. who set their house on fire, but there. Seems like shoddy research, but go ahead. Well, in Canton, uh, well, James the, found work. The story as a, is not about the fire devil. Now try to stay on track here. Yeah, try not to. The story is about yeah. the what this man does. It's not about some piddly fire in his house that burned his house down. That's a minor while, detail. While living, I kind of need to know. While living in Canton, uh, James found work as a welder uh, for the Union Metal Inc. James and his wife, Etna, had a history of violent behavior, Brandy. It wasn't all peaches and cream in their household, Brandy. See, he was now see how this comes in. He's like kind of cross training himself to be a really good funeral director because sometimes you get those people that, you know, walk on the train tracks or whatever and you got to bring them back in 48 pieces. He could just weld them back together. They could have an open casket for him, Tim. That's a, that's a good point he's making there, Brandy. Yeah. Or if you got a zombie, a person who might be a zombie, he maybe weld the uh, coffin shut. Yeah. Yeah, a vampire? You think yeah. it might be a vampire? Weld wow. that coffin and weld that zombie shut. Put a rose on top. A rose is a flower. Dallas. You probably haven't got a rose before, but it's a really pretty fragrant, fragrant flower, devil. At a birthday party uh, for their neighbor's daughter, Etna, um, instructed her daughter to physically assault one of her classmates. Did she just? Well, it was in an altercation with the child's mother. Etna threatened the woman with a nine millimeter pistol. Uh, although she, although she was arrested, the Canton uh, police failed to confiscate the weapon. At one point, uh, James shot his German Shepherd in the head when a neighbor complained about the dog damaging his car. Now, see, that? that's some bullshit there. You just shoot a German Shepherd. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something, Timmy. We're going to mm-hmm. tell this whole story about how this guy does some really dastardly shit. But you know what our listeners are going to remember? That dog. This, this some bitch shot a German Shepherd for no reason. Yeah, and that's well, prob- they, yeah. Apparently, they had it was they had a it was a lot of violence in the family. That's what I'm getting at here. The domestic violence was frequent in the household. With Etna once filing a report with the Canton Department of Children and Family Services that her husband was quote messed up. Her her husband had messed up her jaw, Brandy, and to pacify James and his bouts of violence. Might want to, we might want to try this with uh, Brandy, Colonel. Adna Maybe would we'll get. I, I, Adna, I just got an idea. Adna would produce uh, tarot cards and pretend to tarot cards to pretend to read his future, thus producing a temporary calming effect on James. She had Maybe no we could idea do that with Brandy. We need to keep some tarot cards in the office and, and some Xanax, Timmy. What I usually re- do is uh, 
That's the key. Because me and de- me and the devil are still in a stress eating phase. Is I usually go and crush up some Xanax and put it on a lunch, and she doesn't really know it to me. It makes no, some it no, makes it more pleasant in the afternoon. Here's the thing, though. Maybe I noticed. It yeah, well, that's here. true. That's true. As a result of a uh, motorcycle accident, James had an uncontrollable twitch in his right arm, Brandy, a condition that made it impossible for him to continue as a welder. Well, I guess that would. Kind yeah, of, well, that would and be a an problem. embalmer, too. His co-worker, well, yeah, but if you screw up there, I mean, really, what, what, how much harm can you do? Well, his co-workers, his co-workers described him as uh, hard to get along with, Brandy. I can't imagine. In January 1984, so this is like a few months before the six months before the um, the uh, shooting, the Huberty family left Canton and briefly briefly stayed in Tijuana, Mexico. Now uh, they that's always that's where all the yeah. families are moving. Well, to. James. Uh, they got good uh, that's, schools there, Timmy. I thought I thought maybe he was just moving there, Brandy, for the donkey shows. <laughs> James, well, you know, James, I wonder how bad that twitch was because it's hard to get a job when it looks like you're jerking off all the time, Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting at a desk with your arm yeah, twitching like you got a, a job with you got a job with the candy, well, that's so, true. I mean, anything you know, they paint they paint donkeys with stripes on them in Tijuana, Mexico, to make them look like zebras. To take pictures. I did not yeah. know that. Do you know why? There's a lot goes I, on in Tijuana, Mexico. Do you know why? To me, this to. is this is one of those more you know things. Uh-huh. Do you know why we have never domesticated zebras? Why is that, Colonel? Because they bite. Well, they. it's not just that they bite. When they bite, they don't let go. They don't let go. Now, a horse will bite you and kick you. But a zebra, when he bites, he don't let go. He just chomps his teeth down onto your arm. Well, that's fascinating, Colonel. That's why you know, people turn into this, this and speaking podcast. Of this, I don't want to get off track on this story, but I got to tell you just a brief story, Timmy, that reminds okay. me of something chomping down on your arm. So I was uh, I, when I was when I was a younger man, I worked for a, a local pizza pizzeria, mm-hmm. and I was. Uh, I was older and I was the closest one to the to the restaurant and when the alarm would go off at night they would I would go up and check on it and it was usually just a malfunction you know and the police would show up and this is this is going back to you know some years mm-hmm. and uh this particular time the police told me just unlock the door and get back on the sidewalk because it was a wooden building Timmy and some some really uh industrious burglar had broken a hole in the side of the building and crawled through. Hmm. So I get there and I'm in the presence of some fine police officers with a, uh, 93 pound German shepherd dog to me. What are the odds that I just heard this story? I mean, I I know. And and other people would like to hear it. I'm going to make coffee. So the policeman yells to me, Mm-hmm. He says, I have a 93-pound German Shepherd dog here. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to release the dog. Now, 
strangely, my friend, who I will not name on here, was uh, the one who broke the hole in the wall. I just knew him, you know, from about the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was the, he was the uh, guy breaking into the restaurant. He was. Okay. And he was the burglar, and he uh, decided that he could hide under a booth, Timmy. And the dog found him under hey. the booth. And there are very few things in this world, places that you want to be, like under a booth with a 93-pound German Shepherd. Yeah. So he... uh the dog chewed him up so bad that they had to call ambulance for him, Timmy. Uh, so he spent he spent about a year. That's why you got to stay on a straight and narrow, Colonel. You do, and this is a warning to our, our listeners. So he stayed in jail. But here's the, here's the funny part. I seen him about a year after he went to jail. He had a big scar on his face and everything. And uh, I was like, Joe, when they called you, why didn't you just come out? And he's like, I didn't think the dog could find me. I don't know. He said, but I'm going to tell you something, Chuck, and you're not going to believe me, but it's the truth. He said, when that dog got under the table with me, its eyes turned red to me. Hmm. He said, its eyes turned red. All I saw, it looked like the devil was coming underneath the table with me. See, that's why you need to... Always be on a straight and narrow. But here's the here's the moral of that story, Timmy. Police dogs are trained to get a hold of your arm and clamp down until like you're point. still. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So if you ever get attacked by a police dog or any other dog, throw out your forearm, let him grab it, be still, and you won't get chewed up and shredded up into a thousand pieces, Timmy. That is information, Brandy, that our listeners desperately need. Yes, that's information that a lot of our our listeners can use. See, you don't just get a story, but you get life hacks on this Uh, show. Life lessons, yes, life lessons. All right, so James um, and his family moves to Tijuana, but he soon regrets it because he can't speak Spanish, Brandy. (laughs) Um. And he becomes sullen and taciturn, Brandy. Your thoughts on that? Apparently, she has no thoughts. She's fit. What a dumbass. Anyway, so then they move across I'm the right border here. back to the United States and settle in San Ysidro, California, which is right across the border from Tijuana. It was here that uh, James was able to find work as a security, car, a security guard in San Ysidro. However, he was dismissed from his position, and uh, which would have been in late June, um, and the family apartment uh, was uh, they lived. The family lived three blocks away from this McDonald's where this guy, where James, would in, uh, end up doing his dastardly deeds. On the day before the massacre, uh, James had called a mental health center and had been uh, said he had been experiencing severe headaches and his wife described him as uh, somewhat agitated. When James called the mental health center, the receptionist misspelled his name uh, on the intake form as Schuberty. Uh, his polite dis- uh, demeanor conveyed no sense of urgency to the operator and he had, uh, and had he elaborated on the t- in uh, in the phone call that he had never been uh, hospitalized for mental health issues, 
Uh, therefore, the call has been logged as non-crisis, and uh, he was told that someone would be in contact with him within the next 48 hours. So he didn't raise any red flags, apparently, Brandy, when he called the crisis center, although you would think calling the crisis center itself would be a red flag. Is the red flag. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the red flag when you call? I would think so. James Huberty and his family went to the San Diego Zoo on the morning of July 18, 1984, the day of the shooting. And the family had eaten at a McDonald's in the Claremont neighborhood in northern San Diego a few hours prior to the massacre. Now, his wife would later claim that his behavior was a result of him eating at McDonald's. Uh, he apparently he ate the family ate at McDonald's a lot, and she would claim that that contributed to his mental health issues. And she would later try to sue McDonald's for eating McDonald's. Yeah, she eating it was, McDonald's. She, was, contribu- she said it was his diet that was contributing. Well, remember to the me. guy who tried to get off on because of the Twinkies? That's yeah, yeah. That a twink, Twinkie diet, Brandy. The Twinkie defense. Uh, When when the family got home from the zoo, James seemed to withdraw from Aetna and the kids. The children were watching cartoons on TV, probably He-Man back in 1984. Wouldn't you think so, Brandy? Yes. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Could be Scooby-Doo, though. James walked into his uh, bedroom wearing a maroon T-shirt and green camouflage slacks. As his wife lay relaxing upon their bed, he leaned toward her and he said, I want to kiss you goodbye. Etna kissed her husband and then asked where he was going, um, stating her intention to uh, soon prepare the family dinner. Well, they eat a lot, Brandy. Your thoughts on that? Well, that, yeah, that could have been part of the problem. James Conley replied that he was going hunting, hunting for humans. Quote, unquote. Damn. That should have been a red flag, Brandon. There's another red flag. That is now, a see red the flag. call in there. I will say the, the first call saying, you know, well, I got some headaches. You know, I'm not doing great. and But your demeanor is polite. That's kind of my mob flag, Timmy. Hmm. Just a mob flag. Not the red flag. Serious red flag. Not the red flag. It's just my like, favorite, you know, I, I got my favorite gif going. out there is this <clears throat> thing. It's this big old red flag. And he's like, um, it's like. A parade of like people banging drums and blowing horns and stuff, you know, like on Facebook or whatever. I don't know why I shared that with you, but it's my favorite gif. I don't, I don't gif. Oh, it's a gif, Brandy. Well, I mean, this guy's throwing up more red flags than a fucking World Cup ref, so I don't understand why nobody is doing something. Holding a gun across his shoulder and carrying a box of ammunition. Uh, with okay, a there's another one. There's another one. <laughs> yeah. And there we With go. a bundle wrapped in a checkered blanket, James glanced toward his elder uh, eldest daughter, Zella, as he walked uh, toward the front door of the family home and said, Goodbye, I won't be back. As James There's closed the door. another one. I mean, I don't know what you. Right. Huh. As Chaney, Hold on. Did nobody as J- ever say, Daddy, Daddy? I mean, what kind of some bitch did. You know, I, I mean, and, and sometimes, you know, this might be this might be hard to imagine, but I can have disputes with my family. To me, sometimes there's tension in the house. But if but if no. I if no. I were to walk out and say, "Well, I'm going hunting for humans," and uh, 
Goodbye. Well, we'll be he back. was a, uh, James was a uh, survivalist, and he had he had like these weird conspiracy theories that he, well, first he said oh, Jim he was a doomsday. Jimmy bro. Carter was out to get him, and then he said Ronald Reagan was out to get him. Yeah, he's a doomsday prepper, and he was in you know he was fascinated with uh, uh, firearms and such. Anyway, when he walks out the door, he glances back to his wife Etna and says, "Quote unquote, society has had its chance." Another red flag. There's, a, uh, there's another yeah. one. When questioned later by police, Etna gave no explanation as to why she failed to report this bizarre behavior. She was probably hoping he would die while he. Or was this out. might be something that some bitch did every day. You don't know, you know. He but it doesn't sound like Edna was all there either. I mean, well, you know, you know she's it was threatening no. people at her, you know, kid's birthday party with a nine millimeter pistol. What, was so. this on a Sunday, Timmy? You got to. No, it was a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday when this massacre took place. Yeah, so she was, you know, she was probably watching the soap operas. She probably didn't even wasn't really even paying attention. Oh, it's probably no. The kids were watching cartoons, but you're right. She probably yeah. was waiting for Days of Our Lives to come on. Yeah, eating her bonbons and uh-huh. doing whatever, cleaning out. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The 9 millimeter, just in case she had another altercation at the PTA. So. <laughs> okay. Are we what ready? happens next, Brandy? Tell us, Brandy. All right. So James then drove his black Mercury Mark. The sweet ride. Sweet. Sweet ride. Sweet ride. Uh down San Ysidro Boulevard. According to eyewitnesses, he drove first towards a Big Bear supermarket in a strip mall and then towards the U.S. Postal Office branch before entering the parking lot of a McDonald's restaurant only approximately 200 yards from his family's apartment. Damn, why did he need the car? A witness, he didn't have a Fitbit. Well, clearly. A witness who spotted James as he left his apartment and proceeded down San Ysidro Boulevard with two firearms 
phone police. Well, finally, somebody fucking did. Uh, but dispatchers gave the reporting officers the wrong address. For fuck's sake. At 3.56 p.m., James pulled into the parking lot of the McDonald's restaurant uh, on Sanders Cedro. In his possession were a 9mm Browning HP semi-automatic pistol, a 9mm Uzi carbine, a Winchester 1200 12-gauge pump-action shotgun, a box, and a cloth bag filled with hundreds of rounds of ammunition for each weapon. The McDonald's restaurant is one of the busiest in Southern California. A total of 45 customers were present inside the restaurant when James arrived. After entering the restaurant, James first aimed his shotgun at a 16-year-old employee named John Arnold. As he did so, the assistant manager, Gilbert Flores, shouted, Hey, John, that guy's going to shoot you. Well, she, she, really, was stating, she was stating the obvious, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the painfully obvious. Uh, according to Arnold, when James pulled the trigger, nothing happened. Oh, he had a dead James round. Huberty, oh, no. That's embarrassing, as Colonel. James Huberty inspected his gun, uh, the manager of the restaurant, 22-year-old Neva Kane, walked toward the service counter of the restaurant in the direction of Arnold. As Arnold, believing the incident to be a distasteful joke, began to walk away from the gunman. That see, before uh, she walked toward him, walking away from the gunman is a good idea. Walking toward them, and then kind of yeah. Well, I mean, I think people are like super aware of these, you know, mass shootings and things today. This was like sure the first big one in the in the yeah, I mean, twenty-four yeah, I mean, hour news cycle, Timmy. Yeah, I mean, this is nineteen eighty-four. I mean, they certainly happened. Like they had the you know the Texas shooting the University of Texas in the 60s, but it wasn't as prevalent as it was today. So I don't think he would, the guy would have thought it was a, you know, poor joke. If it happened today, I think it would have been probably a different response. But Well, I just think him walking down the street with all those weapons today would have got him. Sure. Now, this guy's a complete, just horrible um, all right. So just then, James fired his shotgun toward the ceiling before aiming the Uzi at Kane, shooting her once beneath her left eye. She would die minutes later. Immediately after shooting the young manager, James fired his shotgun at John Arnold, wounding the teenager in the chest and arm before shouting a comment to the effect of, Everybody on the ground. James then referred to all present in the restaurant as dirty swine Vietnam assholes before claiming that he had killed a thousand and that he intended to kill a thousand more. Pandemonium then broke out in the restaurant. Upon hearing James' profane rant and seeing Kane and Arnold shot, one customer, 25-year-old Victor Rivera, tried to persuade James not to shoot anybody else. In response, James shot Rivera 14 times, repeatedly shouting, shut up, as Rivera screamed in pain. 14. Now, do you, do you know what a Uzi is, Devil? You remember the Uzis from yes. back in the 80s? Yeah, yes. they were, Israeli they were, weapon, yes. right? Right. They're, they were automatic weapons. They were, they, they were banned, and Uzi did not come out because they were not particularly accurate weapons. They just sprayed a lot of bullets. So just so our listeners know there's a difference. The Uzi, 
They banned that one, and it's never come back. Mm. But during the drug, the, right. during these years, the drug years, they were very, very popular guns. With the with you know, the drug runners, Cause they yeah, because you could put out so like, many rounds. Like uh, Tony so Montana, quickly. yeah, Tony Montana had a had a Uzi. So, yeah, they are Israeli guns, but they're they were. Yeah. So this cowardice piece of shit. As staff and customers tried to hide beneath tables and service booths, Jane turned his attention towards six women and children huddled together. Piece of shit. He killed 19-year-old Maria Silva with a single gunshot to the chest, then fatally shot 9-year-old Claudia Perez in the stomach, cheek, thigh, hip, leg, chest, back, armpit, and head with his Uzi. See, and I've... Because that 9... That nine-year-old was posing such a threat. And I, but I think this is a difference in today and, and back then, is these people all huddled in these booths. Now, today, people will be running toward the doors. They'd be trying to get, you know what yeah. I mean? They would, they would not sit around. People have learned, don't, don't just stay in one place. Well, even, you know, even, uh, yeah, and, even, and the training now is not even not just to to run away, but you got to try to take the guy out. Run Where toward before him. Yeah. They would say, "Yeah, don't don't try anything that would upset him or draw attention to you." Now they're saying basically, you got to take him. You got to take that guy out. Yeah, you got to take him out and and hit him with a salt shake or do something. Throw stuff mm-hmm. at him, mm-hmm. and then try to get the hell out of there. But you know, that's back before people knew. You know that yeah, these, but, that staying staying in one place was just going to get you killed. Exactly. So after he shot up the nine-year-old, he then wounded her older sister, Imelda. Uh, He shot her once in the hand. He then fired upon 11-year-old Aurora Pena with his shotgun. Pena, initially wounded in the leg, had been shielded by her pregnant Uh. aunt, 18-year-old Jackie Reyes. And, and here's where I, here's what this next part is the point I was making. What? Oh. James shot Aurora Reyes 48 times with Ugh. the Uzi. Yeah, I mean, with the Uzi, you could just put out so many rounds she so fast. Was, she was 11. Jesus Christ. Uh, besides her, beside her mother's body... Eight-month-old Carlos Reyes sat up and wailed. Whereas James shouted at the child, then killed the baby with a single pistol shot to the center of the back. I don't like these stories, Pimmy. James then shot and killed a 62-year-old trucker named Lawrence Versalis before targeting a family seated near the play area of the restaurant who had tried to shield their son and his friends beneath the tables with their bodies. 31-year-old Blythe Reagan Herrera had shielded her 11-year-old son, Mateo, beneath one booth as her husband, Ronald, protected Mateo's friend, 12-year-old Keith Thomas, beneath a booth directly across from them. Ronald Herrera urged Thomas not to move, shielding the boy with his body. Thomas was shot in the shoulder, arm, wrist, and left elbow, but was not seriously wounded. Ronald Herrera was shot six times in the stomach, chest, hip, arm, shoulder, and head, but survived. His wife, Blythe, 
and son Mateo were both killed by numerous gunshots to the head. Nearby, three women had also attempted to hide beneath a booth. 24-year-old Guadalupe Del Rio lay against a wall. She was shielded by her friends, 25-year-old Gloria Ramirez and 31-year-old Eris Delcy Vargas. Del Rio was hit several times but not seriously wounded. Ramirez was unhurt, whereas Vargas received a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. She died of her wound the next day and the only person fatally wounded who lived long enough to reach a hospital. In another booth, James killed 45-year-old banker Hugo Vasquez with a single shot to the chest. At approximately 4.05, a Mexican couple, Estolfo and Maricela Felix, drove toward one of the service areas at the restaurant, noting the shattered laminated glass Estolfo initially assumed renovation work was in progress and that James Huberty, striding toward the car, was a repairman. James fired his shotgun and Uzi at the couple and their four-month-old daughter, Carlita, striking Marcella in the face, arms and chest, blinding her in one eye and permanently rendering one hand unusable. Her baby was critically wounded in the neck, chest, and abdomen. Astolfo was wounded in the chest and head. As Astolfo and Maricela staggered away from James Huberty's line of fire, Maricela gave, her, gave their baby to her husband. Astolfo handed the shrieking child to a young woman named Lucia Velasco as his wife collapsed against a car. Velasco rushed the baby to a nearby hospital as her husband assisted Estolfo and Marciella in a nearby building. All three members of the Felix family survived. The first of many calls to emergency services was made shortly after 4 p.m., notifying the police of a shooting of a child who had been taken to the post office on San San Rachido Boulevard. Jesus Christ, the dispatcher mistakenly directed responding officers to another McDonald's two miles from the McDonald's that he needed to be at. What is wrong with the 911 system there? Well, Why can't they get an address? And, right? and again, but then again, you're going back to 1984. So I know, but still, you have one yeah. job. Well, there's a McDonald's this on every corner. Delayed. So. Right, there's so many, well, many McDonald's, error, and you know it's kind of the fog of war. I mean, people are just, you know, they're trying to get the information right, and if you get a little little information wrong, you know, increase a delay. This error delayed the delayed the imposition of a lockdown by several minutes, and the only warnings to civilians walking, riding, or driving toward the restaurant were given by passersby. And this is where this this is where right. this delay you know really was costly because you have three 11 year old boys that rode their bikes into the west parking lot to buy some sundays now you know without this delay the police are already going to be there now they heard a member of the public yelling something but they couldn't figure out what it was and all three hesitated but then huberty shot the three boys with a shotgun and an uzi and again that that uzi it can just keep firing around. So if you're in the parking lot, it can spray the whole damn parking lot. 
Joshua Coleman was one of the kids. He fell to the ground, critically wounded in the back, arm, and leg. Now, his, he later recalled looking towards his two friends, Omar Alonzo Hernandez and David Flores Delgado. And he noted that Hernandez was on the ground with multiple gunshot wounds to the back and it started vomiting. Delgado had received several wounds in the head. Joshua Coleman survived. Hernandez and Delgado both died at the scene. Yeah, and in this um, in this documentary, seventy seventy seven minutes, um, they interview Joshua Coleman. He talks about how they rode up there on the bike, and you know, just it, kids out on their bikes getting ready, you know, stop by for some ice cream, and you know, there two of them are shot dead. Right. It's it's. Ugh. Well, he next noticed an elderly couple, uh, 74-year-old Miguel Aloya and his 69-year-old Aida Victoria walking toward the entrance. So, again, all this is going on and customers are still going, going in. And as Miguel reached the open door for his wife, James fired his shotgun, killing Aida with a gunshot to the face and wounding Miguel. Now, yeah, an uninjured survivor... This is this guy's uninjured Oscar Mondragon later reported observing Miguel cradling his wife in his arms, wiping blood from her face and shouting curses at James, who then approached the doorway, saw Miguel and then shot him with a killed him with a shot to the head. Now, 10 minutes after the first call had been placed to emergency services, police arrived at the correct McDonald's. The first officer on the scene, Miguel Rosario, rapidly determined the location and cause of the actual disturbance, relays this information onto the San Diego Police Department as James fired at the patrol car with his rifle. Officers deployed immediately and imposed a lockdown on an area spanning six blocks. The police established the command post two blocks from the restaurant. And this, again, this is something different because, you know, they learned from the, we've had so goddamn many of these things. They learned from the Columbine thing. Don't wait around an established command post. Mm -hmm. You know, just rush in there (laughs) because the longer you wait, the more people are going to die. Die, exactly. Um, But, you know, this was, this was the common tactical practice at the time. Was police established a command post two blocks away and deployed 175 officers in strategic locations. And they were joined within the hour by several SWAT team members who took positions around the restaurant. And and again, you know, things have changed so much that we had so many of these damn things that police have changed their whole approach to these. They have response teams now for yeah, especially trained for these scenarios. For these scenarios, yeah. And, you know, these policemen showing up were not something they'd never seen before. Sure. Now, a, a deadly standoff then took place for the next hour with James and law enforcement officers exchanging periodic fire. At 517, Huberty walked from the service counter toward the doorway close to the drive through window of the restaurant. Now, there was a 27-year-old police sniper named Charles Foster. He was deployed at a strategic position on a roof of a post office directly opposite the restaurant. He had an unobstructed view 
of the body from where he was at when he got to that drive through window from the neck down through his telescopic sight. Foster fired one round from about 35 yards, and he's got a sniper rifle, so they, they do a lot of damage. And it hit Huberty in the chest. And, of course, it severed his aorta, and it exited through his spine, leaving an exit wound one inch square. And it sent him sprawling backwards onto the floor directly into the service counter, killing him almost instantly. Now, this entire incident, as you said in the thing to me, lasted 77 minutes. During which time, Huberty fired 257 rounds of ammunition. Yeah, a minimum. He killed 20 people, wounding as many others. One who was pronounced brain dead upon arrival at the hospital and died the following day. 17 of the victims were killed inside the restaurant. Four were in the immediate vicinity of the restaurant. There were only 10 individuals in the restaurant who were uninjured, and six of those had hidden inside the basement utility room. Now, they didn't do any further, not that I know of, not that I know of, any further examination on him. But, you know, I find it interesting that this guy was starting to suffer from headaches. Before yeah, this. and I mean, at least he was somewhat. I mean, he was aware that he had mental health problems. I mean, he reached out. To, I mean, late, but he did reach out to the you know the crisis center, and the his wife though. I mean, they they get, they set up a fund. McDonald's uh, Corporation set up a million dollar fund for the survivors. And be, and they took donations from individuals as well. Joan Crock, who was the wife of McDonald's founder, Ray Crock, donated $100,000 herself. But because one guy had uh, donated money and he stipulated that that would include the, the money that he donated had to go also to the family of the shooter – Mm-hmm. The first person to get uh, to apply and receive money from this fund was Etna Huberty. Of course, she later sued McDonald's, as I said earlier, claiming that her husband's poor diet—he uh, ate at McDonald's almost every day—led uh, to the tragedy. That case was dismissed in 1987. Etna. Huberty died of breast cancer in 2003. And, you know, I didn't include this in the script, but a lot of the officers and first responders um, had post-traumatic stress syndrome from oh, sure. from this. There was a, a lot sure. of divorces um, among them and even, you know, several suicides from people who responded to um, uh, the shooting. And, of course, that's not even... That's not even taking account of all the victims who survived and, you know, saw their loved ones murdered. You know, Timmy, I, I just did look this up real quickly. They did actually, because you you remember Whitman had the brain tumor. Right. right. And that caused that. Um, they did actually examine his brain afterwards mm-hmm. and could not find anything, yeah. anything useful. They said that he was just a... Uh, 
a piece a, of shit. A sociopathic, paranoid sociopath is what mm. they decided. Yeah, he's a piece of shit that killed a bunch of yeah. women and kids. But some of these people do yeah. actually have, you know, we've seen so many of these serial killers that have these, you know, Organic, it's something organic. They have the head injuries in their youth that changes them and change the way they think. But they actually did examine yeah, it. Not, not this guy. guy. He was just a. Uh, he was just a piece of shit. Yeah. But, uh, Charles Whitman, you, you mentioned Chuck. He had a head. He had a brain tumor, I believe. He was the Texas shooter, right? The University of Texas. The he was a tower, tower shooter. Yeah, Whitman. Tower, in, yeah. Which, which is, you know, to get a little bit off subject, but was interesting to me because if you you have a guy like Whitman where you can directly tie the brain tumor to what he did, mm-hmm. how guilty is he of that crime? Right. You know, if right. if you like, if he wouldn't have killed, if he wouldn't have been killed, and you could have taken him out and removed the brain tumor, and you say he's no longer a, a you know threat to society. Does he still need to spend seventy years in jail or get the death penalty? You know, right. that's Whit- I mean, Whitman kind of knew something. Thing. Whitman, knew he absolutely did. He tried to get yeah. help for it. Um, yeah, and it drove him. And up to it, that tower. I think even when he, his last note before he went up in the tower was that he asked them to do an autopsy on his brain because he he felt that there was something wrong with him. But, yeah. Okay. But this guy, they did study his brain and. uh the headaches were just, uh, I, they could find no organic reason headaches. for them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always, yeah, I'm kind of always hesitant to do these stories because you never know as soon as we release this podcast and, it, you know, how they happen about once a week now. It's hard to. Yeah, and know. this one was a big one because you got to remember that CNN, Timmy, was, was founded in 1980. Yeah, yeah. And was, this uh, shooting was in 1984. So, that, you know, there were mass shootings. Not at the rate we have them now, but this was the first. They didn't one. get the yeah. This was the first coverage. one that they could cover twenty four seven, so everybody yeah. remembers it. You know, Luby's came after this in Texas, right? Which right, which was another one. It was not as bad as this one, I don't believe. Um, well, this happened I, I around the right. same time as a lot of those postal, yeah, postal office. You know, the term yeah. people going post or going well, postal. The postal office employees, yeah. That happened. That that was generally. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Okay. Well, then let's uh, thank all of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash history dweebs, where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or Or just a wee little bit to me. Okay. Hit me, Colonel. Well, let's thank Adam McWatters and Elaine Baker, Alexandra, Ali, Alicia Mincy. Lovely Nina at the Already Gone podcast. Happy birthday to you. She had a birthday this week, Timmy. Yes, and she is going to be joining us. Well, I'm on vacation. She's going to make a special appearance on the podcast, and that will be awesome because she is awesome. Before you go any further with that, a couple of things. Our condolences to Jeff and Don Chestnut. Um, Yes. Don lost her father. Um, so we would want you to know our thoughts are with Very you sorry. and to Tani from the, um, dirty bits pot podcast. Um, she lost yeah. her husband. It's yeah. Really that was, sad. that's tragic. And, um, and we actually lost a dweeb this week too, Timmy. Um, 
I posted that today. He was a guy, Nelson Mock, who uh, found us through, you know, the other podcast context that I do with, with Shelly. Mm-hmm. And he found out that I did another one and start. And he, this guy was like just this brilliant mathematician. He had, you know, had a lot of political views. And he was not a type that you would think would go for history dreams, Timmy. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he didn't post much in there. And but he he and, and he occasionally would send me messages, but he but he found our show to be very very funny. He thought it was very very funny, and he he enjoyed it. And he was a very very sweet man. He was sixty six. Um, his unfortunately his his wife died five years ago on his birthday. Wow. And uh, and he he passed away in his sleep last week. And he was a he was a sweet sweet man, and he'll be missed too. So, Absolutely. But, you know, it just shows you that people, we don't really hear from them on the page. We don't always know that they're there, but they consider themselves dweebs. And he was a dweeb, and and so we'll miss him. Uh, yeah, and condolences to his, to his family. Let's see. Amanda Absolutely. Christine, uh, Amber Anderson, Amber Scoville, and a girl lion. The girl line. Andrea Odell, Andrew Frazier, Angela Santos, Angelo Villafant, Villafane, I'm sorry. Anna Garrett, Annette Petre, Anon, of course, Becky Trainer, Ben Dubrovich, Brandy McBride, Bridget Bernhardt, Brittany Martin, Kelly Jones, me and Kelly, Kelly Jones, Kelly Jones, Kelly Jones, Kelly Jones. She likes when I sing that to me. Christy Lee. At the Canadian True Crime Podcast. We recommend that one. There's no foul language in that one either, Timmy. Carl Asplin, Carol Elise, and of course we got one of our all-time favorites, Charlie from Crime Lines, Timmy. Cheryl LeBlanc, Chris Lane, Christine Howard, Cindy Clark, and Diane Trowbridge, Timmy. The Comeback Podcast. Our good friends. The Axe yeah, yeah, Clark, you know he's going to be a good axe thrower. Daniel Bassett, Bassett, Diane Student, Erica Kinney, Aaron Turner, Fiona Crisp, Gina Green. And, of course, Jay, one of my favorite people, Jay Cleveland Payne, Jaharo Lopez, Lopes, I'm sorry, Jamie Dent, High Road, Jason Dykes, Jeff and Don, as we said, uh, condolences to, to Don, and I suppose to Jeff because they've been married a long time and I'm sure Jeff was very close to the man, and they're they're a great couple. We got to meet them they in are. person, and they're just a they're just a lovely couple. Jennifer I like Orca, Brandy. They're a delight. They are a delight, and you know, even being a they even are. being a doctor and a professor, Timmy Jeff Chestnut is aware that he married out of his league. Timmy, <laughs> he did, he did, he did. Jennifer, but he's he's a fine man too. Jennifer's voter. Jess Watford, Jessica Greeno, Julia Rodriguez, Karen Barnes, Kelly Charette, Kim Stroop, Kimberly Smith. Uh, let's see who we got here. Christine Malachinsky, Laura O'Reilly, Lydia Wassum Fisher, Maja, Marsha Boris, Marie, Marquia Smith, Mary Courtney Sheldon, Melissa Montoya, Michelle Johns, the next Mrs. Colonel. Paula Kimes, we got 
a couple of the Pleasing Terrors podcasts and Context and Clarity podcast, which we will be reviving with in uh, about Michelle. two weeks with the lovely Karen Michelle. Although, you know what, Timmy? She continues to mock my dog, Timmy. Oh, she continues well. to mock my dog. Did you see the sweaters I made for my dogs, Timmy? I did. He looked very dapper in his, in his sweater. Rudy, Rudy. Yeah, we need to we need to talk about that, Martha Stewart. Rudy, Rudy did not look pleased with his sweater, but uh, but Bo was pretty pleased with his. Uh, Ruth Keith Whitfield, Sarah Bloom, Charlene Shannon Arnold, Shirley Strap, uh, Stacy Alsop, and from down under Stephen Potts, Terry Stratford, the Vanish Podcast. That they walk among us, the lovely Ben and Roseanne Fenton. I'm going to be seeing them soon when I'm in London. Well, give them my regards, Timmy. I will I definitely think very do. highly of them. Yes. Todd Long, Tommy Lane, and as much as I hate to say, the lovely Leanne Flanagan, the lovely okay. Leanne Flanagan. I'm going to see her as well. My, uh, I know, Timmy, and, and it's she, you know, she's my nemesis, Timmy. I, I know, I'm sorry. Don't let if you learn of any plots she has against me, you need to turn them turn over the plans. I she's, certainly will. She's like a character in a Bond movie, Timmy. I don't know that I trust her. Uh Vive, Whitney James, we've got of course Rudy the Wonder Dog and Lady Bo, Beverly. Bo has not Lady Beverly. I'm I'm hoping to get to see her. If not, I'm hoping to see her then. My next trip to London. But, uh, Bo, uh, just Bo has not uh, donated any money. Bo yet. went to the bank the other day, Timmy, to get his to get his check card, and hmm. uh, I had to sign for him because you know he's not quite eighteen yet. And he said, as soon as he gets his card, he will be a Patreon sponsor himself. I look forward to that. And of course, the lady we do the show for week after week after week, the lovely Dottie Scott. How's Dottie doing, Timmy? She is doing well. She's doing well. Dang, good. She's it's doing good well. to hear. Yes. Um, well, Rebecca. We did, did we get Rebecca? I don't know if I've updated that. I was supposed to update it last week. Rebecca Lachule. Yeah. Don't want to forget Rebecca her. Lachule. Okay. We don't want to Thank forget her. No. All of you. Who support us on Patreon. And like I said, if you would like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash history dweebs and you'll be able to make your contribution. Thank and you even all for, if you don't support us, thank you for listening to the show. Yes, yes. Leave us a review. We love reviews. We love positive oh. reviews. If you got bad things to say about Brandy, that's okay. We understand. You can give do us that. give us the give us the five stars. Give us the five yes. stars and just unload on Brandy. Tell us yes. what you think about Brandy because we keep trying to show her these reviews and say, look, look here, Devil. you know, we got a review last time that said that Colonel. I I I think it was Brandy who actually did this because she said she how much she she did, she hated uh, the reviewer how much she, they hated when we interrupt Brandy. Now, did you have you ever? Can you think of one instance where we've interrupted Brandy? Not while she was saying anything of substance that was going to add to the conversation. No. And Colonel, get this: they said they didn't like your singing. What? So, yeah. So obviously that was Brandy uh, uh, leaving a review. Well, We're you on know, to you. 
You know, the only thing I could say to this woman, or you know what I, what comes to mind when a woman says that is, maybe she crazy. <laughs> I think she no. crazy. Uh, makes me think that maybe her and I need to be best friends. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time on History Dweez. Bye, everyone. Good day. Bye-bye. 